What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Health Unscripted with Dr. Dwyer. I am Dr. Ashley Dwyer, pharmacist and CEO founder of Team BDN Coaching, formerly the Big Day Nutrition. So I have been MIA for a long freaking time. I know, I know. I'm so sorry. And it's so awesome to still see so many of you download and listen to the older episodes of the podcast. So I know I need to get back on here make these little digestible episodes, and just kind of come chat with you guys a little more. I've been getting really, really off track and was just wondering if like the podcast was even something I really wanted to do anymore, if it was aligned with me, you know, just been going through some spiritual journeys. Um, I will say on this episode, while I was doing some like background research, because I was like, oh, I need like proper lab levels. Like I don't know these things off the top of my head anymore since I don't really practice pharmacy. Um, and I was looking and I was looking at research articles and I was looking at different websites and different articles. And I noticed like some complete plagiarism, like literally knocking off another doctor. These functional medicine places will copy and paste an article and post it as their own. And I was like, oh, hell no. So I wrote them an email and I was like, by the way, I noticed you ripped off (laughs) this doctor and didn't even tag them. I pulled a Karen move, guys. I did it. You want to know why? Because we sit on here and we like, even though I do my research, like I'm sitting on here, I'm talking to you. I don't have a script planned out. And if you've listened to any of my other podcasts, you know that I don't have a script because I never, like I go off the cuff. Like I will stumble, I will curse, I will say things. And like, I don't edit these episodes. Like what you hear and what I'm saying is what you get through your speakers. <laughs> so that can be a good thing. That could be a bad thing. But to literally like copy and paste a blog post of another professional Um, and completely just like rip off a post and pretend it, you know, and, and put it out as yours as if like you did the work and that you're super smart and you can handle these issues is just like so unsafe and mind boggling to me because it's like, all right, you didn't write this article. So how do I like trust you in treating this condition? Right. And like helping me if you can't even sit and write your own words of what you think insulin resistance is, which by the way, that's what this episode's about. Hence the title, which I have no idea what it's going to be yet, but On today's episode, we're going to be talking about a pretty popular topic, and it's something that I've been talking a little bit about on my stories here and kind of getting into rants rants about it online. So I thought, why not? Let's make it a big opening podcast episode again for the fall. And it's because um, it's on the rise, and a lot of people have it, men, women, everyone, like it's becoming a really big deal. And the reason it's becoming a big deal is it often lies asymptomatic for a while until it's like too late, right? And then you have all these symptoms of it and then you're like, well, what do I do? And the common approach in Western medicine is very, very extreme. And what we've noticed in our practice is you don't have to go to such extreme measures. And this is why I love functional medicine. This is why even when I have something going on with me, I Google or PubMed, Google Scholar, like, the functional medicine types of approaches to how to treat something. Because the difference, real quick, in Western medicine and functional medicine is Western medicine usually has different sectors for special specialties, right? You have OBGYN, cardiologists, pulmonologists, um, hematologists. Like you have different doctors you have to go to for different issues. And they only look at those issues and they usually just treat the symptoms. Like, oh, you're experiencing acid reflux, here's a PPI. Here's omeprazole, here's Prilosec, here's, yes, those are both the same things if anyone actually knows the drugs that I'm throwing out there. Here's some Zantac, which is off the market, so now you gotta take famotidine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they give you a pill to fix the symptoms. 
but they don't take a look at the core issue of what is causing these issues. A lot of the doctors don't get together and have little huddles and every patient is like, oh, this is going on, this is going on. Well, this can be tied to this and we can fix this way. That is what functional medicine does. Functional medicine attacks the core issue going on and fixes that so that these symptoms will go away on their own, which is amazing, right? And that is like what I hope to be the future of medicine, but it is not yet covered by insurance. And we're not going to get into conspiracy theories or big pharma or anything here, but there's no medicine. There's no money in preventative medicine. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. So whereas if you came to like me as a functional medicine person, no, I'm not a functional medicine doctor. I am a holistic health coach. So holistic, naturopathic, ODs, um, you know, we look at a more uh, holistic way, a more natural way to treat something and fix it than just putting you on medications forever. Um, PPIs like Prilosec and Omeprazole and Ezomeprazole and Nexium, they all have long-term effects like kidney damage, dementia, things that are coming out in the research after years of taking this. And so some people can't stop taking them because they'll have horrible acid reflux symptoms, GERD, things like that. So what they actually need to do is fix their gut lining and have some emphasis on gut health and change their diet to then get rid of those GERD symptoms and acid reflux, and then they won't have to take the medication anymore. So that is what functional medicine will do and will look at is changing lifestyle factors and possibly adding in supplementation so that you can live your life live your life more healthfully and not stuck on meds forever. And that's one of the reasons I got out of pharmacy. So back to insulin resistance. What is it? Why am I talking about it? And it's because um, it's a slowly progressing like disease nowadays. It is something that is pre, it, it, it's a decreased sensitivity to insulin. So the way that our body usually works and the way it's supposed to work is you are supposed to, you know, eat carbs. Um, your body then, uh, like the pancreas makes insulin, secretes it into the blood what it then does is it shifts the blood glucose in your veins and in your in your blood system into muscles, into fats. It, it shifts it into the body cells to use as energy. So that decreases the amount of glucose that's present in the blood. It also helps store glucose in the liver and the muscles to use as energy later. Um, what happens during insulin resistance is your body secretes insulin and instead of working properly, it has a decreased effect on the blood glucose. So the cells no longer accept this blood glucose in as energy and it just stays in the blood. So it elevates blood glucose levels, which is what you get tested on your lab work. When you go to the doctor, they're testing blood glucose. If you do one of those diabetic prick tests, um, you have a meter, it's testing the level of glucose that is freely present in your blood. It is not testing the glucose that is present in muscles fat, all of that. So when your blood glucose stays elevated, your body then proceeds to pump out more insulin. It's like, okay, this feedback loop, it's not working. We need more insulin. We need more of this. And so it ends up like progressing as a disease into diabetes, um, into metabolic syndrome, into, you know, PCOS has high insulin resistance. Some forms of, um, some forms of PCOS is insulin resistance. There's other forms of PCOS, but this is a big issue because it is a, an early sign insulin resistance is an early sign of like a serious, you know, endocrine disorder. You don't want type two diabetes. You don't want to be pre-diabetic. You don't want metabolic syndrome, which is, you know, heart disease, fat deposits, like all of those things. Um, so what do you do and how do you even test insulin resistance? So 
the way that we kind of look at it on lab work and the way that it should be diagnosed, but it's not diagnosed when you go to your doctor is the couple of tests to look out for are doctors usually will run what's called a like basic metabolic panel or a comprehensive complete metabolic panel, CMP, BMP, something like that. And it'll show your glucose levels. Well, glucose levels need to be tested fasted to really see like how the body is doing. So when you when you take that test, it usually should be fasted. If you're not fasting, then it's going to be elevated. And then we have to see like, okay, did you get your blood tested an hour after eating, two hours after eating? Because these levels are important. Um, if you are a diabetic or you know anyone who's a diabetic and they're taking insulin and they're testing four times a day, they usually have to test as soon as they wake up in the morning, so fasting, or two hours after every single meal, which is your post postprandial glucose level, um, and it needs to be under like 180, right, if you're a diabetic, and that means that you're working properly, your diabetes is kind of controlled. But you're also on medication at that point. So if you have insulin resistance, your levels aren't obviously going to be as high as diabetic patients or else they would tell you you have diabetes. So they're testing, we're looking at that blood glucose level. And then something else that we really, really look at, which doctors never test, they never test, they don't run it, and they should, are your insulin levels. So your insulin levels are very telling in how much insulin your pancreas is pumping out, right? And so let me just make the differentiation really quick between like type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes. When you have type 1 diabetes, your body can't produce insulin. Like you don't have the accurate beta cells to do to, to make insulin production. That's why these patients are already insulin dependent when they get diagnosed. They have pumps, they have to be on insulin for the rest of their life. When you have type two diabetes, your body just stops responding to the insulin. So you might still have to be on your own insulin because again, like the pancreas does start shutting down after a while, but when you when you first get diagnosed, you just have a decreased sensitivity to insulin. So you have high blood glucose levels. Um, so what can happen over time with this and, and why they need to be testing this is because this is why it goes so undiagnosed. They don't really test, doctors don't test insulin levels. They test the blood glucose levels, but then they don't really have you worry until it's like over 110. Like if you get over 110, they're like, okay, we need to monitor this. Like, let's check, you know, they'll check your A1C, like your hemoglobin A1C, which is the average three months of your glucose levels. So if you tell them like, oh, I just had cake last night and your A1C is elevated, they're going to look at you and kind of laugh because it's an average of three months. It's not like what you did last night, which might affect your fasting blood glucose. So that might be a little confusing, but these are the markers that doctors look at. These are the markers that we look at because when we intake a new client, we ask them to send us lab work from the past six to 12 months if they have it. Um, the sooner the better, obviously. And we're looking at everything. We're asking them if it's fasting. We're looking at the time of day. We go over, you know, thyroid and all of that. Um, we have a lot of clients who have PCOS. So these, this is very important. Um, so, so we look at these levels and kind of assess how we're going to, you know, give them macros, what we're going to do. And so what we have found while um, doing insulin resistance and, and kind of treating is that there's a very different approach that doctors use versus what also can help. And so before I jump into that, I know I'm like skipping around and this is probably why I should have a script <laughs> or at least like a, a uh, note sheet of like, okay, Dwyer, this is what we're talking about. So let's first talk about like what 
causes insulin resistance. And so the cause of insulin resistance, you might see online, like some people preach like, oh, it's a really, it's caused by a really high carbohydrate diet. Like if you eat a lot of carbohydrates, you're going to get insulin resistance. And I can blatantly tell you that's false. Um, it is a combination of factors. It's not just carbohydrate diet. Like clearly right now I'm currently eating almost 300 grams of carbs a, a day. I know other professionals in my space who eat over 400 a day who are women, and obviously men eat more. They do not have insulin resistance at all. It is not due to just a high-carb diet. It is due to a sedentary lifestyle, high stress, smoking, um, a BMI that is you know, overweight or obese. Um, obesity is a, a factor in insulin resistance, so carrying around extra body fat. Um, doing, eating like poor carbohydrates, we should rephrase that, like a diet high in processed and refined inflammatory carbohydrates could be a cause of insulin resistance. So these are all of the things that can later lead to poor outcomes with our body not being as sensitive to insulin and glucose. So that is the cause. So it's like, okay, now that I have this, Let's talk about lab values for a second. So let's say you're looking at your lab values and you're like, well, how do I know if I have insulin resistance? Should I be worried? Like, what should I look at? So a good fasting glucose level, I would say, is definitely going to be under 80. So you'll you'll get your fasting glucose. The glucose is the first thing that you see before sodium on your CMP or BMP. Under 80 is fantastic. Under 85, still really good over 85, over 90, over 95, this is where we start to be like, okay, what's going on? What are the other factors in the patient? Like, what are the stress levels? How's the sleep? Um, oh, by the way, I meant to mention this, uh, decreased sleep and poor sleep is also a contributing factor to insulin resistance. So get your seven to eight hours, please. Um, so, so that's what we look for. So if your blood glucose is over 85 and you send us your labs, we're going to be like, okay, let me take a look at the A1C. And then we'll look at the A1C under five is perfect. Above five, we start to look at it a little more above 5.5. We're definitely like a little like, okay, this is what we got going on right now. Um, we'll look at insulin levels if your doctor tests it, but again, doctors do not test insulin. It's super annoying, but if you can request your doctor to, um, to do an insulin level. A proper insulin level when fasting should be under five. And then if you are doing like a postprandial glucose check, it should never be above 30. So obviously your body's going to secrete insulin once you eat, and then, you know, it, it lowers back down. So it should never be under 30 after a two hour check. Your fasting glucose should be less than 80 and should never rise really above 120 after a two hour check. If you have diabetes, you have different regulators. Okay. Um, so these are things to just to be like cognizant of and to be weary of. Like if you have diabetes, obviously your A1C goal is under seven. So it's going to depend based on, um, based on your actual disease progression and what you're diagnosed with, but the treatment. So, so if you have like high glucose or you have, um, insulin resistance, or you have insulin resistance, PCOS, things like that, doctors will usually immediately put you on metformin. Um, which is a blood glucose lowering agent. It's like first line, super easy. It's a pill. It does cause like some stomach upset. It's free at Publix if you have a Publix in your area. <laughs> yes, I used to work there and promoting it. Um, metformin is usually given out to improve like insulin response. And then they tell you to cut out all carbs and drop your calories to like 1200. So losing weight will help insulin resistance, but 
losing weight the way they want you to do it is not sustainable. So you will then bounce back and gain the weight back and you will binge on refined carbs. And it's just not a stable plan. So I can't tell you how many clients we've had come to us and they're like, oh my God, my doctor told me to cut out all carbs. I can't have carbs because I have insulin resistance. I need to go on keto because I have insulin resistance. Um, While I will put a little disclaimer that keto should only really be done by epileptics and sometimes diabetics for like a period of time, it's still missing a very, very crucial component to blood sugar regulation. And that crucial component is what I've also done another podcast on. It's fiber. It's fiber. If you're not eating any carbs, you're not getting in any fiber. And fiber is like the magic ingredient to blood sugar regulation and what you should really be watching out for. So Western medicine approach to insulin resistance is cut out all carbs, start this drug, and we'll see how you do when you come back. Lose weight. You know, like that's what they tell you. Functional medicine approach and how Team BDN approaches this with clients because we have PCOS patients who we usually work with, less diabetics, more PCOS women, because it's it's again on the rise with all this hormone imbalance and increase in stress throughout our lives. Um, they come to us being afraid of carbs because insulin resistance, like I can't process them properly. And we're like, wait, 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 there's other things that need to be taken into account. So first of all, we analyze and we assess their stress response. Like how stressed are you right now in your life? What have you been eating? How much have you been eating? Have you been at this diet history? You know, have you been at this caloric intake for, you know, long ass time? Like you need a reverse diet. Um, we need hormones to come up. We need to heal, right? And so we look at the stress response because stress is really, really big when it comes to hormone dysregulation, especially in women. So we look at stress response, we look at sleep and we fix sleep. We fix, you know, seven, eight hours asleep, not in bed. In bed versus asleep is very different. If you have a tracking device like an Apple Watch or a Whoop or an Aura Ring or anything like that, those can be really helpful for managing sleep. Again, it's a pattern. It might not be super accurate, but it's better than nothing, right? Um, So we manage sleep. And then we look at what they're eating, what types of food they're eating. We get rid of food sensitivities and anything inflammatory for a little bit, like an elimination diet of dairy, gluten, things of that nature. Um, We introduce it back to see if they have any symptoms and see if they are sensitive to it. If not, great, here you go. If they are, we cut it out for a little while or indefinitely. By the way, most people are allergic to dairy. Just saying, your stomach's not supposed to bloat like that get rid of it. It's inflammatory and we don't want inflammatory stuff. I don't know what that voice is going to sound like in your speakers, but it's probably pretty scary. So we assess the type of foods and we look at adding more whole nutrient dense foods. So yes, more fruits, more vegetables, more lean proteins, more complex carbohydrates. We really want things with adequate fiber. So think raspberries, sweet potatoes, lentils, uh, edamame. Uh, what else can I rip off the top of my head? Alyssa's cookies. You know, they should start paying me for my, (laughs) my advertisements, um, or sending me free cookies, right? So looking at soluble and insoluble fiber, making sure we're getting enough fiber because the way that fiber and complex carbohydrates plays a role in blood sugar regulation is, you know, people like to say, oh, eliminate carbs because like carbs are bad for you because it spikes insulin. Like, yeah, okay, cool. Like our body releases insulin. That's the way it's supposed to happen, but it's actually like how it comes back down is what's important. So when you eat a, I'll talk briefly really quick about the glycemic index. When we're talking about the glycemic index or the GI of foods, 
high glycemic index versus low glycemic index. So what that means is how much it will spike your blood glucose. So high glycemic index is bad. That's like your white bread, your refined flour, your your sugars, things like that. Low glycemic index means it will be digested slower over time and you'll have a slower, more controlled insulin response and blood sugar response. Those are things that have a lot of fiber. Um, So we focus on those types of foods. So we first switch out foods and kind of like create a pseudo meal plan. We then optimize fiber goals. So we got sleep, we got stress, we got fiber goals, we got more nutrient-dense foods. Um, Obviously, we want to quit smoking and quit any of that stuff if that's going on because that's not going to help anybody. Um, We're controlling inflammation by getting rid of allergies and food sensitivities. Uh, We want to add in some fish oil sometimes to help with like omega-3s, which are anti-inflammatory. And then we want to work on timing of meals. So not letting our blood sugar drop too low after meals. So just having like snacks and meals. So usually three meals and two snacks to keep, to keep the body regulated all day. Um, and then we want to work on pairing methods. So no more, what we call, we call them naked carbs, no more naked carbs. So what is a naked carb? A naked carb is simply eating an apple by itself or a piece of bread by itself. We don't want to do that anymore because that can then do the insulin response we're not we're not looking for. So we want to pair them with a fat source or a protein source. So let's say we add some nut butter to that apple, bingo, perfect. Or we add some avocado to that piece of bread, that avocado toast, perfect. It slows down the digestion and the release into the body. So pairing with fats and proteins and making a more balanced meal or balanced snack will also help with blood sugar regulation. So by doing these methods, we have clients who have insulin resistance PCOS who are not on medication, not on birth control, eating upwards of 250 grams of carbs with amazing lab work and their body is just responding beautifully. They're losing weight, um, which again helps with insulin resistance and getting your insulin sensitivity back. So of course, every patient, every client is going to be different. Some will require a heavier fat um, macro, like more fats than carbs for a little while. It just depends on the intensity, the severity, how long we've had insulin resistance, how bad it is. If we have other factors going on in the body, like hypothyroid, um, things of that nature, what types of medications you're on. But I will say, if you are kind of looking at your lab work and you're like, what can I change? And you know, you're, you're looking to do it on your own and not possibly work with a coaching service like us, which come on down. We would love to work with you. Um, I would look at the types of foods you're eating, how often you're eating, if you're having naked carbs, what your stress and sleep look like, and then just making those changes and seeing where you're at. So I know I usually keep these around 15 to 20 minutes. We are at almost 23 minutes right now, but I have to with this awesome first episode back. So I hope you guys enjoyed learning a little bit about insulin resistance and kind of how that affects the body. Obviously, you don't want it to get out of hand because diabetes is not fun. It will, you know, it's just a major disease in the United States right now. It affects microvasculature levels. So kidney function, feet, eyes, heart, like all of these things, micro and macrovascular diseases. Um, so it's really, really a good idea to get it under control and change those lifestyle habits that have given you this in the first place and not just throw medication at it or eliminate an entire food group because fiber is super important. Carbs are not the devil. And we can chat about all of that too. Oh, really quick, I wanted to mention the reason why carbs do sometimes get a bad rap with PCOS. 
um, is because increased insulin levels can also cause increased testosterone. And in women, that can lead to acne, facial hair, um, like hair growth not on the head, right? Hair loss on the head. So not like symptoms we don't want, right? So by controlling these and using these different methods, it will put a stop to you know, potential high testosterone levels and it will help balance things out while also giving you more energy. Strength training obviously is very, very helpful as well. Um, but this was just a little like taste teaser episode for insulin resistance. So if you have any questions on this, as always, let me know if you listened, like, share, download, post, um, post it on Instagram and let me know that you've watched it. Ask me a question about it on Instagram. You can always go to at Dr. Dwyer on Instagram and just shoot me any type of messages. It's always me answering in the DM. So you will be able to chat with me. If you are interested in finding out more about our one-on-one coaching and our programs, I will attach a download or excuse me, an application for coaching in the bio um, of the episode. I don't even know what it's called anymore in the description of the episode (laughs) and just always let me know your thoughts. And then I'll see you guys. Hopefully I'm I'm not going to be too aggressive and be like, Oh, we're going to get back to doing this every week because I really have to be realistic with myself, but let's try for at least two episodes a month. And then we'll gradually (laughs) start getting this back in. So thank you guys so much for listening and I'm excited to hear your thoughts. All right. Toodles. Toodles.